We're living in a world now where there's no reason why you have to go get a college degree to learn this stuff. I think those are head starts. But as soon as you enter the world, everything's going to change. You don't really have control over that. Yeah, I don't think you need 10,000 hours of practice to do something anymore. I think that if you have 1,000 hours of practice, you're ready to dive in. Take a job that pays less that's going to give you that experience. Having said all that, they were warning about it back then. This is no surprise, right? The bad part about that is, well, does that make me irrelevant? Hello, welcome to Power Theory. My name is Russ Willett. I'm an executive coach. I help create successful organizations and successful leaders. My purpose is to help more people find their own power, their own agency for success. Today, I want to discuss artificial intelligence and my experience and feelings with that, both its benefits and everybody's got a theory about it. I just want to just talk a little bit about, you know, what all this might mean and where I am with my thinking about this. So first, I want to just say that, you know, when um, I've always been an optimist, um, you know, I would say I'm pretty progressive about technology, even though I struggle with using it. Um, I, I get excited about it. I get excited about change. I get excited about growth. I get excited about things that are happening and uh, that could have a benefit on society. And being an organizational thinker, if you will, I, you know, um, I'm always trying to find that really that magic button that's going to happen that's going to make us all stop fighting and really start you know, being effective and um, having good ethics and being a better society, right, even if it's just in the organization. I think about that a lot. Um, when social media first became a thing, um, and I guess I remember, you know, there was, there, you know, people played around with social media a little bit, but it really wasn't mainstream. But when, when Facebook started getting billions of followers and, uh, um you know, I kind of like started conceptualizing the value of that. I started conceptualizing, well, what what are the benefits to this? And in my mind, uh, and I actually did some, I did like some future forecasting about, you know, business and society and organizations uh, back when, when that was going on. And I remember giving speeches about this stuff. And I would give speeches about how, you know, Facebook is allowing us all to connect and allowing us to have better relationships with people. And, you know, we can expand our networks and we can really find value in different places. And our communities of practices are growing. And the effects that that was going to have uh, were going to be, you know, uh, a correction to our institutions. I remember using those words. Like, I actually thought we were um, in, like, an evolution of, of thinking about our systems, uh, the way we, the way newspapers and universities and um, government, right? I, I could see all the value that if we use social media properly, how that might be a value. Now, when I go back and look at that now uh, and see what's going on with mental illness and our young people and our, you know, the, the, the addiction that we have to, this, to the computers, um, when I when I think about, you know, the, you know, the ills and the misinformation and the and the and the just the the bad actors out there that are really just you know poisoning our society. They've used these tools that I once thought was you know great and I was optimistic about in a really bad way, and I think we have to be really cautious about that. Um, now, do I think you know I do use social media? I enjoy it to a certain extent. I I, I manage my time. I'm an adult. I know how much to engage in. I use it for business purposes. I mean, there's a certain value that I can get from that. I use it to find my news. Um, I'm careful not to subscribe to, you know, things that, but, but I, I'm an, I have an awareness of the, the good and the bad of it, and I'm really careful to make sure I'm not overly influenced by bad actors. 
Having said that, maybe I am being influenced by that bad actors. I, you know, what? I don't know. Um, so here we are today. And, and then, you know, Congress doesn't even know. They can't even explain it. Facebook gets in front of Congress and has to explain to them their business model because they have no concept about what it is. Uh, you know, the fact that our governing bodies are so ignorant to these things and these things have taken on a life of our own and we seem to be, you know, our policy seems to be run by you know, business leaders, b- billionaires that uh, really their pursuit is is capital investment and growth and and making as much money as possible, which is which is capitalism, which is good, right? So, and I don't necessarily fault them, but without regulation, without some control, without a roadmap, we could be in trouble. So along comes Chat uh, GPT, and I have to tell you that when first came out. I did read a book called Sapien, A Brief History of Humankind by uh, Yuval Noah Harari, right? And he's, it was a fantastic book. I loved it. And you get a chance to read it, read it. But he wrote a second book called Homo Deus. And that was about the future of mankind. It was about where, what we were going to evolve to. And equally as fascinating. But there was one point when I was reading the book on a beach, and I literally burst out, oh my God, this is this is scary. And what was so scary about it was technology um, Technology can take us in really bad places. And, and in the book, he's describing the value of it. Like, we are going to be able to live longer. We're going to be able to cure diseases quicker. Uh, we're going to be able to find better relationships. I mean, the lot, there's lots of positive upside to that. But the negative up, the, the the negative side of that is we're actually taking our humanity away a little bit. So, anyways, as if you get a chance to look at this, it's eye opening. It really gives a good framework of what could happen in technology in the future. Um, but having said that, it's, this is no mystery. I remember reading Popular Mechanics when I was 13 years old and reading about artificial intelligence and how they were warning about it back then. This is no surprise, right? Uh, but here we are. ChatGPT is released. I'm playing around with it. And it's pretty awesome, right? Now, I, I do find it a little shallow. Like you got to dig. It's not like you can ask a question. You get this really deep answer. You got to dig a little bit. You got to make it work a little bit. Um, and that's with the four version as well. It only gives you so much. Um, it doesn't really give you great citations, right? So it's like it's, it's a little kludgy, but really it's powerful. Um, I've had to go off and give a workshop on emotional intelligence, and I was looking for a new angle on how to how to do it. And I went into ChatGPT, and I, I just outlined what I was looking for. I would like a workshop for a live facilitated workshop for senior executives on emotional intelligence, where they're going to determine the, you know such 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 right. Um, and it came back with a with a framework, and then I went back and I tweaked some things, and I put some ideas on. I focused on something, and then like within. 20 minutes, I actually said to print out a facilitation guide or show me, it wrote a facilitation guide step by step on how to facilitate it. Now, that's both powerful and kind of scary. It's powerful that, wow, in 20 minutes, what would normally take me a whole afternoon to try to figure out with a lot of collaboration with people, I kind of put it together pretty quickly in 20 minutes. Now, it's not proven, but I put it together. Two days later, I delivered that. Senior executives in a room, uh, for taking him through this facilitated exercise, which lasted about an hour and a half, and it it was it didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to, but it was I would say it's it was eighty percent there. It was pretty powerful. People responded to it. They 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 commented that it was good. Now that's that's exciting. The the bad part about that is well, does that make me irrelevant? Like you don't need my brain to go figure out how to facilitate a 
conversation with a bunch of executives on emotional intelligence, like I like to think that you do kind of require me to do that. Um, so there's so there's good and bad in that, right? But it is kind of exciting. Um, teaching graduate students, you know, people are always worried about plagiarism. You know, I say go have graduate students actually, you know, give them the assignment that says they have to use ChatGPT to dig deeper and find a unique answer to a problem. Um, that's you know that's crazy that's off the wall so they can come back and and they're still gonna learn the same content they're just gonna learn a little different so I think there's ways that we can use it um, but I, I don't want someone impersonating me taking you know this video and turning it into um, an algorithm that can reproduce and makes anything have anything come out of my mouth I don't want um, you know, I think there's certain that, that is going to be a reality in the near future. Yeah, and I think this, I think creative, I think creativity is, I think the human, and I think what scared me about the book Homo Deus was um, it takes all the humanity out of it, right? It's not like uh, it almost it almost suggests that you know, I mean Homo de, I mean um, yeah, um, Homo Deus means human God. It almost takes God out of the equation. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter that we're meat bodies with DNA that can only think so so much because eventually we become irrelevant. And so having said all that, there's a lot of complicated things in here. Having said all that, um, I'm, I'm not as optimistic as I was about social media because that turned out to be kind of a disaster uh, in a lot of ways. I think there's some benefits to it, but I'm not one for regulation. But what I'm hearing is that the inventors of these things, the you know, the minds behind this, the both philosophers and the capitalists behind this, all want some control over this. I don't mean their own control; they want regulation around this. Um, I don't know how we're going to figure that out, but I, you know, I think we have to heed their warning and pay close attention to it. Um, I would argue that, um, you know. I think it's not good for artists. It's, you know, you could, it's not good for educators. You could argue that it's not good for a lot of people. But is there a way we can harness it that's going to be more powerful? So I remain optimistic. Um, it's a big change that I think could really, you know, if we could solve some of the, again, optimistic about solving the ills of humanity, uh, stop the wars, stop the, 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 the divisiveness, uh, make our organizations run better, create better products, you know, cure cancer. I think that all of these things could be really wonderful. Um, and I think that we have to make sure we engage it in a proper way so that it, it actually does reap benefits. All right, so let's have some music questions. I've been at my job for three years. I want to continue developing my skills and advancing in my career. What are the most effective strategies for continuous learning and professional growth in a rapidly changing job market? Wow, complex question. First of all, there's some sorting out about what job market you want to be in, right? So that's, let's assume that this person's already sorted that out. Um, I think you identify with the leading edges in, the, in, in that particular category, and you go and pursue it. So for example, bad example, if, you, if you're into uh, a journalist, right? Don't go work for a newspaper, right? Like that would be that wouldn't make any sense, you know. Go find out what is what is the most cutting edge thing in journalism that you can that you can kind of look at and learn and just kind of go on that journey and, and do it. 
um, how to keep up with it. Again, it's like it's almost like you have to. We're living in a world now where we can't like you can't go get a degree in journalism and expect to get out and you're going to be using exactly what you did in school because things are changing too fast. It's almost like you just have to kind of engage. Um, and I think the way the, the way I think about learning, like the way I think about like you know, undergraduate school, high school, undergraduate school, going to college and getting an MBA, I think that those are fantastic things. I think those are head starts. Those are things that are teaching you how to think, how to collaborate, how to argue, you know, how to how to think for yourself, how to develop your own kind of power, personal power, build some confidence in you, right? But as soon as you enter the world, everything's going to change. I mean, things are going to change and move as fast as possible. You don't really have control over that. I think what you have to do is you have to dig into the hardest projects and not be afraid to do them. Now, that question kind of says, well, how do I prepare for that, right? That goes back to what I've talked about before. Uh, You know, people have um, imposter syndrome and say, well, I'm not prepared to take that job because I know nothing about that. Uh, well, go figure it out. I mean, with all the tools that we have, there's no reason why you have to go get a college degree to learn this stuff. Now, I do agree that you'll learn quicker hands-on. Uh, go get a job, you know, at a small organization that does those things and learn as quickly as possible. Um, so the way you keep up, well, first of all, you can't keep up, so that's a fallacy. But the way you engage is you engage in what you're interested in and go as deep as you can, as fast as you can. Uh, as uh, Malcolm Gladwell said, get the 10,000. Yeah, I don't think you need 10,000 hours of practice to do something anymore. I think that if you have 1,000 hours of practice, you're ready to dive in. If you wait for everybody to have 10,000 hours of practice, we're never going to get anything done today. Things are moving way too fast. So uh, your approach is going to be continuous learning. Um, be curious. Dig in. Uh, you know, Take a job that pays less that's going to give you that experience. All right, next question. I'm part of a remote team, and it's tough to build strong connections with my colleagues. Uh, We rarely meet in person. Any advice on building a sense of camaraderie and and trust in a virtual work environment? Yeah, that's a a tough question. I mean, I don't have the magic answer for that, but I do have – I do know what what works and what advice that we give people regarding that. So if I'm on a remote team and I've got – let's say 10 colleagues around the country that I'm working with on a regular basis. And we've likely chatted, you know, we've had some Zoom meetings, one-on-ones, and it's about business, and, you know, we'll ask about the kids and things like that once in a while. But it's really nothing meaningful, right? Um, what I would do, and what my team does, and we practice this, is we get we have one-on-ones with people that have nothing to do with work. Uh, we actually used to have a meeting. We called it a, I forget what we called it. We called it like a, you know, just a catch-up meeting, and we would, you know, seven people would come on Zoom, and, you know, one of us would have this intellectual question for the day. That's got nothing to do with work, right? You know, so, um, Christy, what are you learning? You, you get this new program that you're taking. What are you learning? Oh, it's fascinating, you know, and I read this book, and this book is about that, and, oh, I read that book too, and we find ourselves, in, you know, in, a, in this really deep dialogue about something that's got nothing to do with work, and what we're doing is we're, we're creating these these intellectual connections to each other that's not just based on you know not based on shallowness right um i'm not one for small talk let me tell you about my son he just got married you know i but i you know that some of the exciting stuff i'll share uh the other thing we do is we have one-on-one so i will have one-on-one meetings and we don't do it you don't have to do it a lot and i'm not a i'm not an advocate for doing you know a one-on-one meeting every week, but I'll have in my schedule one-on-one meetings, and in, the, in those meetings, 
it's not even it's not a performance review. It's just like what's going on with you? What is it you want to learn? What's what's new? What are you excited about? Right? And 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 we share that with each other, you know? And then uh, because we're coaches, we might also ask a powerful question to get people kind of, you know, deeper into stuff. Now, I know you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's awkward. I'm going to call my friend that I don't know in California who's this, you know, big masculine man. I'm going to call him and ask him, you know, you'd be surprised. Just do it, right? And these don't have to be two-hour meetings. It could be a half-hour connect. Um, What Silicon Valley Bank, before they ran into trouble, used to do is they would say – they would give every executive or every person in the bank uh, a budget – to go have lunch with a group of people that they don't know, and they would just force them to go to lunch once in a while. This could be the you could do the same thing kind of online. Having said all that, you're not going to have the same effect online. It's just not going to have you're not going to have the same effect. Um, the certain endorphins that that trigger when you get with live people. Um, what you really should be doing is you should be having at least live offsites a couple of times a year, where. You know, if you can only do it a couple times a year, make it an overnight, two or three day. People get together, they go to dinner. Uh, you do some work, but it's really you really do a lot of team building and some other stuff, and really kind of get to know each other. I'm not talking about ice cream socials and things like that. I mean, you know, more relevant things to the business, but at a, at a, at a lighter pace that that you know that makes the culture better. Um, I, we, you know, during the COVID thing, I was working with a. Uh, high-tech company that was selling some software i think it was i think they were located in new york but they were kind of all over the place they had people the whole team was all over the place and we we did team executive team coaching sessions with them online and it was all on zoom and we got to know each other and we did some coaching it was you know a lot of fun and and people really they worked on the kind of their short-term strategy for the next quarter and we did some stuff together and then we were having an offsite where they were all flying into one location. Um, and I have to tell you, when I walked in the room and saw these people physically that I've never met before, it was like everybody had a smile on their face. Everybody was so happy to be with this other human being. I remember saying things totally inappropriate, like, oh, my God, Bill, you're so handsome and tall. I didn't know you were so tall. Inappropriate, I wouldn't suggest saying that. But, I mean, it's like I'm, like, overwhelmed with this, like, the, you know this this feeling of meeting these people, and they were just as excited to meet me. Um, and then that, of course, that that two days was fantastic, and everybody. And then when we go back to be online, we're actually closer, and the relationships better. I would say that if you're starting out in a team, if you have a team, and you have a team of you know five or seven people, and they're all over the place, uh, what you probably should do is start out by having a live meeting. You start out by having a live event. If you go to an online college or university and they're learning something and you're learning online, it's not unusual for them to bring people together in the beginning so they get to spend some time together and know each other before, as people before they start just kind of Zooming with each other. So I guess it's a cop-out answer saying you need to get together with people. You need to spend time with them. Um, but, uh, you know, after you kind of at least have that initial uh, meet and greet, um, you need to make sure you nurture those relationships. Not a lot, not 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 too much, but you need to spend time with people. At least, kind of, you know, working on ideas that are not 
necessarily sensitive to, to each other's career. If this is interesting to you, you want to chat about it, you have comments about it, you want to just share some ideas with me, you can email me at russ at sojournpartners.com. Uh, also, if you're interested in the newsletter that we produce, give me a shout. We'll get you, we'll get the new, we'll get you on the newsletter list. Follow along as we continue this journey to create personal power. Thanks. <laughs>